Hey, welcome into this week's episode of Cincinnati Podcasts. I'm your host, T Money. That's main man out in Raleigh, the East Coast Cincy representative, Giggsy. How's it going, Giggsy? What's up, Luke Fickle, baby? Oh, yeah. Luke Get to Fickle. keep. Woo. Just that he gave us a heart attack. He gave us a heart attack. It's been a wild ride for Cincinnati this week. We're going to get into all the rankings. We're going to talk about uh, Fickle to Notre Dame. We're going to give it preview ECU and then a a review of ECU. Sorry. And then a preview of the big game versus Houston this week. And then we'll touch on everything going on in the basketball world as well. Exciting stuff for Cincinnati podcasts here. Really, really pumped as we get into conference championship weekend here. Only a few games playing, but hey, Cincinnati is, and that's all that matters. So before we get started and dive in, into everything, this podcast is sponsored by Chili Labs. Chili Labs is owned and operated by a UC alum and is the most affordable lab-tested CBD on the market. You can find out more at chililabs.com. Use a promo code CATS for 10% off. So let's dive right in. Initial thoughts on the college football rankings here, Greg. We got Georgia one, Michigan two, Bama three, and Cincinnati four with Oklahoma State and Notre Dame looking in. What are your thoughts here? Oh, just about exactly exactly what I figured it would be. I, I assumed, especially given the way Alabama played against Auburn, but even had it been a blowout, I think Alabama still would have stuck at three. And I expected to see Michigan make that jump up to two. Um, Ohio State also fell just about as far as I assumed they would. They're still at the top of the two lost teams yep. at number seven. So, and, and I agree with that. I think they're the best two lost team that there is. So yeah. everything kind of looked the way I thought it would. Yeah, I'm pretty surprised at that as well. I do think it actually looks pretty right. Uh, I'm not going to get too crazy in depth, but the main thing is, how do we make it right now? Let's assume Cincinnati wins this weekend. Knock on wood there for all the listeners. But the biggest thing is two, three reasons to lock up us getting in. Alabama loses, Michigan loses, or Oklahoma State loses. We are a lock to make the college football playoff. Any of those three happen, that is fine. Uh, you know, the biggest one is if Oklahoma State wins and we do, there will be some debate, but I don't trust the committee to not put a one loss power five champion in over us so i would say one of those three three things has to happen now the bama loss is very likely georgia's favored in that but uh i don't think we make it unless at least one of those three teams lose yeah i'm i'm on the same page and it's kind of sad to think about but if if bama wins georgia's still in two sec teams in obviously michigan wins obviously and then i i agree i think we beat houston and Oklahoma State beats Baylor, you're looking at a win over number 21 in the CFP rankings over a win against what? what's number nine. nine, number nine, a win against number nine, power five win, regardless of its big 12. Second top not, 10 not win in a good. week to, in a row, yeah. too. So which which is solid. But the big but the big 12 is so propped up on absolutely nothing like they're propped up they've been propped up on oklahoma the whole season and then the committee came out in the first rankings and basically said we don't think oklahoma's that good anyway yeah so i i agree but i mean the likelihood that one of those three things happens is pretty high what do you what are your order in most likely to least likely i, I assume I, I, we're I gonna think be on the same page alabama's gonna gonna lose i do think that oklahoma state 
second most to, uh, likely to lose, and then Michigan, third most likely to lose. Yep. I do not think we make it. Like I said, if all three teams win, that is going to kick us out. The crazy one will be if Alabama loses, Michigan loses, I mean, even us and Oklahoma State lose. <laughs> now you're talking about Notre Dame getting in, Georgia's in, and then it's us at, with one loss and a bunch of two-loss teams, Ohio State, well, Oregon if they win, Iowa if they win, and all these two-loss conference champions and non-conference champions could get pretty, pretty crazy. Yep. And, and I mean, at that point, well, so then you got, it, let's say all of those teams you said lost. Yep, you have Georgia, then Notre Dame, Notre Dame then Baylor, and then it's like for that fourth team, you're picking between us who just lost, Bama who just lost, Oklahoma State, who just lost the other two having two losses, but then you also have Ohio state. Maybe the committee likes a team that didn't end the season on a loss. Um, and then yeah. Iowa and Oregon also will have two losses and potentially a uh, conference champion. I would, I would think Iowa at 13 is a little bit too far out, but I mean, yeah. who knows, honestly, who knows with the committee, but I mean, Oregon, they, they would beat number 17 to win the Pac-12. Yeah, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of crazy scenarios. scenarios. A lot but, of interesting stuff. It's going to be a wild weekend. Uh we'll see what happens. Yeah, that's why all we can do is just win the game. It doesn't matter how you win. I'd rather not be like super stressed about it. Like make it like an SMU win where the yeah. game was in hand after the first like three drives. Yeah. Then we I don't sit back and just hope for chaos elsewhere. Yep, exactly. And I really don't think no matter how we win overtime, no matter what, as long as we win and one of those three teams lose, I think we're in. So I'm not too worried yep. about it. Uh, you know, we can touch real quick now on Ritter's Heisman chances. I know we've been following this all week. Our Ritter Heisman watch. I don't think he's making it to Vegas, unfortunately. Uh, you know, another okay game yep. from him. He just hasn't been dominating games like we expected, you know, 300 yards passing, 50 yards rushing, four touchdowns. You know, that's what I was expecting most of his stat lines to be versus some of those low-level teams. Um, he, he's now favored with the ninth best odds. Now, there is three defensive players in front of him now that have jumped him. Crazy. Great season by Ritter, but unfortunately doesn't look like he's going to be in New York. Yep, I, I'd agree with that. But, I mean, still just getting that far, it's a really big selling point yeah. for the program. So, I'm I'm happy. It, it's been I'm great for him. See. Excited for him. He's still projected as one of the top four, sometimes second, sometimes third, top four uh, quarterback in this NFL draft class. So, that's exciting for him. He has a chance to potentially go in the first round. Going to attend the Senior Bowl uh, along with a bunch of other Cincinnati Bearcats, but excited for Ritter's next uh, next destination. Yep. But we'll swing over to the big, big news that was happening this whole week. Had all the Bearcats fans freaking out. My gosh, Luke Fickle giving us heart attacks here. <laughs> Notre Dame supposedly came out after Brian Kelly took the LSU job and told us that Fickle was the favorite for the job, but they decided to go with Marcus Freeman, the old Cincinnati defensive coordinator, current Notre Dame defensive coordinator. And Marcus Freeman will now be the head coach at 35 years old. Good for him. But Fickle staying with the Bearcats. Huge, huge news for all Cincinnati fans. Yep. That was, oh, that was huge. So I, I have a few things on this. That I'd oh, like to touch the floor on. is yours, my friend. One, I, I've, I've talked to you about this on the side before, but so this uh, fickle staying, 
absolutely amazing. Honestly, I was never really in that much doubt. But the thing that's kind of bumming me out is the way I saw Luke Fickle's tenure at UC turning out. We always knew Notre Dame was a threat. Ohio State was a threat. Maybe Penn State. And he's turned down a lot of other big jobs. Michigan State, other Oklahoma, USC, USC, all these other jobs for sure. So the whole time it's like, okay, those are the three big teams. James Franklin signs a 10 year. He's out of the way. Good. So now we have two teams. I'm thinking Brian Kelly's 60. He's going to stay coaching at Notre Dame for the next 10 years or so and retire. At that point, I would think, okay, maybe Luke goes to Notre Dame if he's not already at Ohio state. So, and then in that case, I'm going, okay, I, I would doubt that Marcus Freeman would have been the D coordinator at for Notre Dame long. for that long, but I could see him taking his name has been tossed into the Wake Forest. Yeah, job. like a lower level D one job. Exactly, and and the whole time I'm thinking, okay, I'm not I'm not so optimistic that I think Luke is going to be a Bobby Bowden or Joe Paterno and just stay for their basically entire career. Yeah, but I'm thinking we would get enough time out of him. He's going to leave at some point, and then we bring Marcus right in. The thing that's kind of bummed me out now is, I mean, I'm so happy for Marcus Freeman, amazing person, coach. He's 35 years old, like unbelievable. But I don't really see a situation in where he's ever going to be UC head coach, which really, it it sucks. I, I was always really excited for him to be Luke's gone and we plug in somebody in the train just keeps rolling yeah and the the only you can still find those guys though you know we got plenty of time yeah it's it's just kind of it's it's kind of sad i always had that in the back do you you feel better after that greg it felt like you needed to really let that one out i can tell that marcus freeman not being the uc coach eventually really hurt you there (laughs) mike just dropped I actually don't feel much better because I'm still kind of sad about it, but <laughs> we, we got Luke. And I mean, the only way, and I've said this, the only way that I could even see him coming to us, because like, let's not be stupid. Notre Dame is a much better job than the UC yeah. program, no matter what this program gets turned into. But the only way I see him coming to UC is with a few failing seasons, maybe like an eight and five, a couple eight and five seasons, which like it's good, but it's yeah. not Notre Dame standards. Then I could see him coming to us, but do you want to hire the coach? Hire well, he would probably come as a fired? DC and then Fickle yep. will take the Ohio state job. So exactly. we'll see, you know, you never know what happens. The biggest thing Cincinnati gets to keep Fickle. That's awesome. Yep. So excited for that. Let's take a step back though. We played East Carolina last week. We won 35 to 13 covered the 14 and a half point spread. Uh, yep. What were your thoughts initially on this game? As we look uh, past ECU. Well, it's been kind of a theme the past few weeks where we'll have a few incredible quarters in the second and fourth quarter. We scored 21 and 14 respectively, and then a few average quarters. And I know the first quarter ECU had the ball a lot. We blocked that punt and then Des had a few interceptions. One was really bad in the end. Yeah. And I can't think of the other one off the top of my head. I probably just got it out of there, but I mean, I, I liked what we saw from Alec Pierce at 136 yards. Mm-hmm. He, he looked amazing. And, I mean, just – I'm still just happy to see how we played. Like, ECU, I think we're, we're kind of been in the mindset of they're not that great of a team because they haven't been for the past couple of years. But, I mean, if you think back to before they joined the AAC, they were a powerhouse in 
whatever conference they were in. Yeah, they're, they're so solid, and they turned into a decent team this year. Exactly. It's a team with good history, and this year, like, they're actually – they were pretty good. And yeah. they're bowl eligible. They're going bowling in a few weeks. So I, I think covering was huge because it not even just showing the committee, it just shows us as fans, this is what Vegas thought we were going to do. We covered. So yep. I'm overall just – I'm happy to see it, and on to Houston. Yep. Well, I'll touch on the good. You know, like you said, Ford had a solid game, 85 yards. Ritter had 300 yards, two touchdowns. You know, we were moving the ball pretty much at will. But the negatives here, Ritter threw two picks. Ford lost a fumble. Our kicker missed a field goal. Um, You know, I, I just think it's tough to play a team like ECU and make that many mistakes and then expect us to go up against Houston who's definitely better and then the playoffs and be solid. So my only hope is that we've been looking forward to these last few games, the entire season since Notre Dame, we got up for Notre Dame and then we are ready to coast until we play Houston. That's my only hope here after we beat Houston that, you know, we come dialed in for the playoffs. So I'm going to give this one away. Our rush defense finally showed up. We've not been a great rush defense this whole year, 40 or 55, or 54 total yards of rushing for ECU. So that was great. And they have a solid running back. So excited for that. Excited for that. That's my only hope. I'm going in positive this Houston game. So let's jump over into that. We're playing number 21 Houston versus number four Cincinnati at Nippert for the AAC championship game. FPI gives us an 82% chance of winning and we are 10.5 point favorites. Greg. What are your thoughts heading into this big Houston matchup on conference championship Saturday? I, I saw that FPI um, prediction today, and that actually surprised me how high that was. Did yeah. That, yeah. I, I would have well, put PFF it has us at about 62, actually. That's, you know, I would put it a little higher than that. But, I mean, that that's kind of my confidence level going into this game. I'm not by any means thinking we're going to blow them out, and we could. But I think it could be a close game for the first half, and then I think we will pull away. But I, I don't know. I mean, Houston is a really good team. Really they good team. Drop that game to Texas Tech at the beginning of the They'd season. Probably be tenth in the country or something yeah, like that. Exactly. And God, I wish they were because yeah. then then we'd be locked. Yeah, there, there's no chance. So we win that game. We're in no matter what. But yeah. I mean, you look at. Well, the first thing that stands out to me is Marcus Jones. And I yeah. want Alex Bales to keep the ball as far away from him as possible. I want Mason Fletcher to keep the ball as far away from him as possible. He has two kickoff returns and two punt returns for a touchdown this year. And one of those kickoff returns was the game-winning Walk return off. against SMU. Yeah. And I didn't know this. I, I haven't dug too much into him this year. I assumed he was a wide receiver. He He's a corner with five interceptions on the season. So he's not just a return specialist. Like he's, he's a he's dynamic athlete. Up. Yeah. He's a first team um, AAC All-American or special say, teams all player conference. of the year as well. Special teams. Yep. So he's, I think he's a game changer. And I really think getting the ball away from him especially on kickoffs and punts will be huge in the field position battle. Yeah. And I mean, uh, overall, I mean, Clayton tune 
is a good quarterback. He's thrown for a decent amount of yards. Yeah. I have it right here. Uh, yeah, he's over 3,000 yards on the season with a 26 to 8 interception, touchdown interception rate. Pretty good. He's and solid. Alton McCaskill's true freshman running back with almost 900 yards, averaging like over five yards a carry. It's a really good team. And I don't think, I don't think anyone's taking them lightly. I'm sure as hell not taking them lightly. But I know at the end of the day, we are a significantly better team. Yeah. So I think we just go out there. And this entire season, I'm not even going to say we've played down to competition. We have played to our competition. When it's a little bit worse, we don't do as well. When it's good, we do really well. Yeah. So Notre Dame, SMU, we're ready for those games. You know, when we think they're going to be good competition, we show up. And like you said, this offense is a solid offense. They're throwing for 272 yards a game. And Nathaniel Dell, their receiver, already has over a thousand yards on the season. So he's solid. You touched on their running back. Uh, So they are a good team, but basically it's their defense. Their defense Mm -hmm. is sixth in total defense, eighth in rushing defense. These guys are really, really good on the defensive front. And that's one of our weaker points is our offensive line. So that's going to be the main battle. I'm keeping an eye out. Ritter to not turn the ball over. That's the biggest thing. I need him to not turn the ball over and they need our offensive line to protect him. It's going to be a battle battle i i'm nervous as i've been all year um just because you know this is the most cincinnati thing ever is to get to the end of the year maybe make a college football playoff and then pull something like this and you know we lose on a last second field goal or our kicker misses that we've been you know harping on all year so i'm nervous for this one for sure i think my confidence is about 70 75 percent right in there um but yeah it's going to be a good game I'm, i'm really excited i'm just ready for us to like you said, play up to our competition. When we do that, mm-hmm. no one other than the few top teams in the country can touch us. Yeah. You know, what's kind of funny about you saying our offensive line is like one of our weak points, which it is, is that three of our offensive linemen made first team all AAC. Crazy. Jake, Jake Renfro at center, which I think is very deserved. He's a really good center. Yeah. But then Dylan O'Quinn at tackle and Lorenz Metz at guard, who isn't even starting anymore. Metz came in because Vinny McConnell got sick and lost a bunch of weight. So Metz came in, big 6'9 German at guard and stood his ground and made first team all A's. Crazy. And he's not even starting there anymore. So it's it's kind of insane. But 100%, that's our weak point. So we'll just got to go out there and win the battle of the trenches. Yep, excited for it. We got some football recruit news, though. We had some uh, guys that we already signed, get some upgrades. We signed a few guys. We had a few guys in the for visits so it's exciting stuff our recruiting class is now up to 28th in the country for 2022 better than the likes of oklahoma state auburn baylor old miss florida wisconsin more many more top 28 in the country that would also put a second in the new big 12 behind iowa state so we're doing big things Crazy. on the recruiting front bringing in four stars consistently now really excited but gigsy what we got for any updates on some of the recruiting news so the biggest one for me of the week, JQ Hardaway, who we signed back a while ago, I think, okay, June 5th or July 15th, we officially yeah. signed him. He started as the number 364 prospect in the country and he's a safety or corner. He's kind of in between. Um, he jumped from 364 to 170. And if 
you remember we signed Trevor Carter a few weeks ago. He's class of 2023 recruit. I think he came in around like 151. And and this is all 24-7 sports ranking, not the composite. But he jumped from 364 to 170, makes him a four-star, a 93 rating overall by 24-7 sports. That was really cool. I, I semi-expected it due to the season he had, but I wasn't expecting him to jump that high. So that's a really big pickup. We knew he was great, and it, it just looks better. Oh, yeah. Regard, you're getting the exact same player, but it looks a lot better. Yeah, it's exciting stuff for us to have two three stars that we scouted signed before the season or have been pursuing for months before the season. Both of them turn into four stars. I give a huge shout out to our recruiting and scouting uh, department at Cincinnati because we know how to identify talent that's being overlooked. And clearly that's the case here. One guy, JQ Hardaway, bumps us up from 30 to 28 uh, after becoming a four-star uh, and now we have our new quarterback up to a four-star huge signing so exciting exciting stuff as we uh, look to finish out the year here but let's transition here into the basketball we had a big week last week since we've last talked we played three games first number 13 Arkansas versus Monmouth and then versus Miami of Ohio first we can jump into this Arkansas game that was a tough tough beat there Felt like we had control of the game. We ended up losing 73 to 67. We could not rebound to save our lives. Uh, Greg, any thoughts on that game after we beat Illinois and then played Arkansas the next game day? I, I was happy at the effort we gave, honestly. Yeah. Until the end, I was flying, and right when we started our final descent, the live TV cut out. So I did hear that the offensive rebounding was awful at the end. Yeah. But, I mean – this is what we wanted to do in this tournament. We wanted to go in, play both of our opponent, our opponents tough, and we did. We beat Illinois. And then Arkansas is a really good team. Eric Musselman's a really good coach. So the fact that to now number 10 Arkansas, it was a six-point game, and for most of it, it was a lot closer than that. Yeah. I was I was fine. I, I liked the way we played. Yeah, it was exciting. Uh, like I said, I think there was at least five offensive rebounds by Arkansas at the end of that game in the last two minutes alone. It was we had control of that game. We were going to win that game and we just could not get on the glass. It was really frustrating to watch because we win that game. We're in the top 25 or ranked team would have been really, really awesome. So but you can't fight it. Wes Miller's first year. Don't give them big time about this. We're just trying to make the tournament this year, sneak in. And then we have a lot coming down the road. But We'll move on to this Monmouth game. We had lost 61 to 59. So two losses in a row at this point That's a tough one because once again, we should have won this thing. Wes Miller's brother actually played in the game for Monmouth yep. uh, thoughts on this one. Anything you see? I mean, like I said, tough fought one. I think we should have won this one. I don't know if there was some extra emotion for West there, or some letdown from the Arkansas game, but uh, you know, I think we let one get away from us there. Yeah, well, in the in the presser or the interview, I think it was the presser after, Wes came out and took full responsibility and said, I did not have the team ready for this game, which I, I love a coach actually taking full ownership. Yeah. And also, I, people, I'm not sure, they hear Monmouth and they don't even recognize the name, but up until, well, I checked Ken Palm yesterday, and now as of today, they're the fourth best team on our schedule. They were... 
that we've played so far. They were a few spots ahead of Georgia, and now Georgia jumped them. Ken Palm has Mammoth at 165. Georgia's at 161. So it's not like we lost to a a bottom like a bye game. Bottom feeder, we didn't lose yeah. a bye game. We lost to a pretty solid team, a team that would probably well actually most definitely be better than a handful of teams yeah. in the american they'd probably yeah. be at the top of the bottom third if that makes sense yeah so that makes sense it, i i think and and i think all these early games it's a new team there's chemistry also just shots have not been going down lately yeah it's all learning experience and i'd rather get these losses and the learning experiences out ahead of time than before we get into conference play. That's when you want everything to just be rolling. So overall, it, it's a learning experience. I don't think it was that big of a deal. And yeah, the emotions with Walker Miller and his brother. So yeah, it's, is what it is. It's not a big deal. So we actually then went on to play Miami of Ohio. Tight, tight win there. 59-58, close the entire way, was only 30-29 at half. Uh, they were a solid team, 5-1 and one for Miami heading into this game. So they were no joke of a team at the time. Uh, and one of their guys, Larry, went off for uh, 20 points. So it was a gutsy mm-hmm. win. Solid team in Miami that we beat. I like our you know ability to fight through tooth and nail to the very end and come out in a close game because that's not been Cincinnati's identity in the past. They lose those close games. So exciting yeah. stuff from West Miller to come out on top in that one. And I actually misspoke before the Miami game. Mammoth would have been number three. Miami's actually one twenty-two in Ken Palm, which yeah, is not like a bad surprisingly team. high. Yeah, they're good. I think they dropped one to like Western Illinois or someone at the beginning of the season. But yeah, Ken Palm actually I think had us as a one-point favorite, and then Vegas had us by like two or something like that. So like this was supposed to be a pretty close game, and it was at their place. So like again, like I I like these teams that they don't look that flashy but they're actually pretty solid teams that we have on our schedule. I like the way that this is setting up for conference play, getting good experience. Abdul Adu had 14 and 14, I think. So double, double, he had a big game. Uh, I think Jeremiah Davenport went four of eight from three for, I think 14 points. So overall, again, good game. Good game. I'm happy. Yeah. Solid, solid game. I'm excited. We have such a deep team as well. It's tough sometimes, you know, as you get into conference play, we'll probably slim that lineup down a little bit, but doing a lot of experimenting right now. So solid win. Uh, We can preview the next week though. We actually only have one game till we jump on a call again next week. That's the Bryant Bulldogs at home on Sunday, December 5th. BPI gives the 80% chance of win. Uh, what are your thoughts? Any previews, anything to look out here? Uh, hopefully we're not looking forward to the Crosstown shootout, which is a week from this Saturday. Um, but right now, the only thing we're looking at is the Bryant Bulldogs. Yep. Um, Bryant's 239 in Ken Palm. They're right behind Evansville at 228. So I think it's a game that's going to go similar to that Evansville game. I kind of see it as a game as one of the last final tune-ups where we can kind of maybe Wes Miller setting like his perfect lineup. I mean, he's still so many new pieces. You don't know what lineup's going to work the best together. So I think it's one more good game to actually get that together. And then, like you said, we have the Crosstown shootout coming out. So I don't even expect going into that to win it necessarily, but it would be great in his first year to take down Xavier, but we'll get to that next week. But 
Yeah. yeah. Exciting, exciting stuff. Basketball solid. Uh, you know, th- we got football this weekend. It's going to be exciting stuff. That's it for this episode of Cincinnati podcasts though. Uh, we're going to continue to grow the basketball as football starts to wind down here, but you know, we'll be talking football next week after this Houston game and then previewing the crosstown shootout with Xavier. Exciting stuff. Giggsy, you have a good week, man. Yes, sir. You too. Let's go. Cats. All right. Thanks everyone. And we'll talk to you soon.